0: What I like of TikTok is that uh, you might have seen uh, an hashtag on TikTok, call it TikTok Made Me Buy It. It is uh, an hashtag that shows you how people they didn't even know maybe about a product, uh, but they bought it because they saw it on the for you page so many times that after a while they just bought.
1: You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. I've got a fun fact for you. Anytime we have an episode that even hints at social media, it tends to get a lot of attention. And I think it's pretty clear why. Social platforms have been key watering holes for consumers to come together, share ideas, inspire each other, and even create content that helps each other. That's why influencer marketing and social commerce have really risen to the top as key priorities and key investment areas for retailers of all sizes and across categories. So because the people have spoken, we have another great episode lined up where we discuss new developments in influencer marketing, how the acceleration of social commerce is leading to new influencer opportunities, and some key considerations that should drive your investments, not just today, but in the future as we see some new capabilities and new benefits from the top platforms. Alessandro Liari, CEO and co-founder of the Influencer Marketing Factory, has worked with so many different brands and has honestly been around the block when it comes to influencer marketing and social strategy. So nothing was off limits. We got into it all from influencer tactics, content creation, to ensuring that you're creating an integrated strategy that includes some new networks. So. I think this episode has plenty of food for thought for you. With that, let's meet Alessandro. Alessandro, welcome to the show. Great to have you.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So you are co-founder and CEO of the Influencer Marketing Factory, a great name by the way. And you have worked with everyone from Bumble to Dunkin', Grubhub, Amazon, Universal, a very impressive range of brands so I'm excited to talk shop with you but first let's go to the beginning of the influencer marketing factory what inspired you to start this agency to begin with yeah, definitely.
0: So I was fascinated already by everything about influencer marketing since uh, I was actually starting. I was still doing my master's degree while working and uh, I saw a big opportunity. I saw that it was growing like crazy. And uh, there were already agencies that, but uh, in my opinion, they were a lot related still to fashion. So a lot of vanity metrics, a lot of still nice faces in, in front of like you know social media, but there was not enough about, in my opinion, about data ROI analysis, storytelling, and also understanding new social media. So what happened is that uh, I was already in the influencer marketing arena, and I said to myself, I know how to do like growth hacking, growth marketing type of things. I'm already in the digital marketing. Why not to mix together everything about influencer marketing, but also something more data-oriented? So I co founded it. It's now less than three years old, but it's growing really fast. We are now 30 people in the company and amazing clients. Some of the one that you said, but also we're working like you know with, with some other amazing clients like also like Google is one of like, are, like partners of Google. And and so like we I've seen everything changing lately, and we saw to each other, okay, let's do something a bit more for influencer marketing. Let's show into clients that it can do even more. So not just money metrics, but actually having a return on investment. And I mean, we also saw other opportunities like TikTok before everyone else. Uh, I can definitely tell you more about that later, but we saw new trends coming. We said influencer marketing is changing, it's growing really fast. So let's start combining together data and influencers together to give even more reason to decision makers in the marketing team to actually test it and scale up as you would do with other type of like you know programmatic and so on. So again, what quite fascinated by the industry. So a big opportunity a Blue Ocean for new social media like TikTok. And we said, let's do it.
1: Yeah, I love that. So it seems like the big differentiator for your firm is that you're kind of bringing that data and insight into the mix that you're looking at influencer marketing through a more strategic lens as part of the marketing stack or marketing strategy playbook, so to speak. So it, it's more of a integral part of a brand approach versus like, oh, like let's just partner with this influencer and see what happens. Am I getting that right?
0: Yeah, 100%. We say all the time that influencer marketing should be seen in a serious way, as you would do with, again, you know, programmatic, paid media, and even other, like, you know, different nations of of digital marketing. So it's time finally to show to businesses and clients and everyone that influencers is just not anymore, you know, vanity metrics or, again, a nice picture. There's so much more. We can integrate influencers with uh, so many other implementation and second touch points, uh, remarketing uh, specific promo codes uh, and so on. Even the creator economy is changing a lot and influencers are making so much more money thanks to different revenue streams. So we wanted to show that. We wanted to say it's important to set up KPIs and retargeting and tracking pixels when you do influencer marketing because if not, uh, you're going to waste a lot of time. So since day one, we said we want to mix together, again, like the importance of the storytelling, the authenticity of the influencer, but also data in order for every client to be able to justify a marketing expense like that
1: yeah that makes total sense and especially now marketers are feeling more and more pressure to prove the value and the impact of their investments and i'm sure influencer marketing is no different especially because depending on how high or how macro you get into your influencer pool, like that can cost a pretty penny, especially if you wanna develop a valuable partnership with a creator and, and do something a bit more ongoing rather than pay for play, so to speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing that is also changing. Before we were seeing more one-shot up type of activity, a lot of clients and companies were just using a small budget for influencer marketing, where they were just doing that on a side. But uh, we can see there has been a big shift in the last, let's say two, three years. Uh, Companies are definitely um, investing more budget and also on a sort of long-term relationship. So a lot of the times maybe you reuse the same influencers uh, that worked well for you in the past, uh, and you want to have top of continuity in the storytelling, so uh, again, we were going before from a sort of one-shot testing activity type of project base to something that is more on a continuing base on a yearly project, so uh, we're definitely happy to see that. that uh, Clients are understanding that uh, it's not just anymore something nice to have, it actually a must have nowadays.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's been fascinating to see the expansion of different categories. I mean, you mentioned that apparel, even beauty, have been really hot markets for influencer marketing. Prime markets, largely because I think it's it's relatively. Easier and and it makes sense at face value, right? Like you you trust tastemakers, you trust, you know, the bloggers you read and follow. It just seemed like a natural extension or transition. But I mean, again, going back to your client list, you even have like United Healthcare Group as a client. And I think it really shows how rich this space is getting. So I guess the question is. Do you see influencers as having this more universal impact or even application, right? I mean, like, if we were, say, to look at healthcare, and I mean, this isn't a healthcare podcast, so we'll get back to retail in a second, but even financial services, like, these are very distinct industries with very distinct needs and audiences. I mean, what does influencer marketing even look like in those worlds?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm quite proud to say that we as an agency be uh, not be just in one niche. I know about other agencies that are mostly doing only fashion, only food and bev, only, you know, like they, they really go in certain categories. But uh, finally, influencer marketing is showing that influencers can be in every industry. So, for example, in the health or in financial all these more traditional businesses are are like finally understanding that new generation, especially Gen Z and millennials, they are looking for information on social media. So if we think about health and insurances and personal finance, it's always topics that are definitely not that easy to understand. So instead of like... Try to understand by yourself or with traditional ways that you want maybe to hear how to your favorite content creator or influencer that can guide you on getting the best insurance possible for yourself, uh, for your pets, uh, or if you want to understand how to invest money, especially with 2020 and all the COVID situation, we saw a big increase actually in interest from Gen Z millennials in investing money. And so instead of again going maybe to something that is a more corporate way, so the typical, you know, the website of the of the corporation of the bank or whatever that is usually not that um you are missing that personal touch, uh, the storytelling on that. But instead, if you have your favorite influencer that is guiding you on uh, getting your new policy, your new app uh, where to invest money and so on, it's even an easier way for you to understand uh, uh, you know, certain complicated and complex uh, topics. And two, it's also a different way to talk about a topic that has been so far a bit more old school and new generation, the one to they don't want to read anymore, like, you know, maybe, you know, 50 pages of like, you know, something. So it's like, hey, in a video, maybe of three minutes, I can just recap all the important information. You can click on the link below. You're going to have my discount code as, you know, as an influencer, you can get maybe one month for free or something like that. So you are combining together education, but also it's a more like entertaining way you trust the person that is telling you that. So it's not just anymore a website telling you to sign up on a service. It's like my favorite influencer is telling me, like, you should check out this service. If I trust that person, I'm most probably going to sign up. And usually it's a win-win situation. The influencers get also more money or maybe affiliation fee and the other person. So the passive user is clicking on that specific link and maybe he or she is getting a discount, for example, on a service. So it's just like influencer marketing can definitely work for any industry, no matter what.
1: Yeah. And I know like myself personally, like I've seen influencers that I follow that I trust start to expand their partnership pool based on what is happening in their personal lives. So for example, there are a few like fashion bloggers that have you know moved into homes which has led to home good partnerships and even home improvement partnerships as they start a family they like partner with automobile brands right like i know Volvo has a few pretty well known influencer partners and then you know saving for their child's future like it's very fascinating to see how influencer partnerships can evolve and how different parties can come into the fold based on those authentic life moments so i think it just really shows that there is opportunity there is space for like several companies in one influencer universe i guess you could say
0: yeah totally especially because as you correctly said uh, we are in a moment of our lives where there is so much rel- relatable content and outstanding content that uh, that's why a lot of new generation, they're not watching TV anymore because it's difficult for them to relate uh, to what they see on TV. And usually it's like this type of cold promotion. But if instead I see someone my age in my situation that is telling me that, hey, you should have like an, a home insurance, uh, then it's going to be a different conversation. And I might uh, activate myself and say, like, oh, maybe I need that, you know, because I trust that person more than uh, someone that I is a completely stranger or an actor in a TV commercial that is telling me to do something. So again, that is I think super important for a new generation. They really care about related content.
1: Yeah, great point. And I think it really shows that this isn't just something that is ideal for the fashion retailers, the beauty brands, that there is opportunity for more utility-based retailers, even more niche brands that have a very distinct buying group, right? So I'm curious, do you have any recent examples or any possible use cases to show for the folks listening right now that may belong to, say, a outside-the-box category that they may think like, oh, I'm not really sure influencer marketing makes sense for us, but it actually does?
0: Yeah I mean as you as you just like mentioned all the ones that are like more traditional businesses uh, insurance banks uh, personal finance but even uh, sometimes even like you know other type of services that my not sound like B2C. So anything in the B2B, if uh, you can find the right influencer with the right audience, uh, actually you can activate those. So we have tried so many different industries in different geolocations. Uh, There might be maybe something really specific and niche. For example, something that I wouldn't recommend, maybe it is anything that is like really technical and where the decision makers might not be on the specific social media, you know, so sometimes maybe provider solutions or really technical tools and platforms in that case it's something that uh, an influencers might have some difficulty in activate people. but other than that anything that is also like service based, uh, it definitely works well lately. So to be honest like I, I cannot think like a specific uh, example mostly because again like you know some, some data sometimes you cannot share like in details but uh, all the different like uh, categories that you mentioned before. Finally, you know, can work, and it's not just anymore on uh, maybe you know, like some people think of B two B mostly LinkedIn, but we saw fantastic example of activation for banks and personal finance and uh, and so on 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 YouTube and even on TikTok because in thirty seconds sometimes it can be informative and still uh, try to give like you know a call to action to people watching. So again, sometimes you want to do like something that is going to be more ten minutes up of explanation tutorial on how to you know find. the 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 best insurance, sometimes it's just like 30 seconds, there is a sort of teaser, but that can still move people and drive traffic to a certain website. So again, unless it's something super specific, really detailed, like in something in a niche, super narrow, that might be a bit complicated to activate. Other than that, to be honest, tried so many industries They are working well and companies are finally happy that they are able to communicate their new product launches to generations that are just not watching TV anymore.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I mean, everything's on our mobile devices now. So it's like, why even rely heavily on traditional media when there is new opportunity, even in streaming, right? Or long form programming through YouTube, like it still presents all of these new opportunities to reach a very specific audience, which kind of leads me to my follow up question for you around just the evolution of the social space in general. I mean, over the past year in particular, you know, we've seen social commerce really blossom. And I think obviously a lot of these players, the Instagrams, the TikToks, the Snapchats, were kind of capitalizing on that opportunity of us being at home and looking for new ways to connect and shop. But are there any standout capabilities or new opportunities that are really emerging in the social space that you're especially excited about or or are working with your partners on and it's presenting some great opportunities looking, I guess it could be both influencer activation as well as just general social commerce, right? I think those are probably two buckets that melt together at some point.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm quite fascinated by social commerce. I've been starting that, uh, looking at a lot of what is happening in, in Asia, because in Asia, Asian markets are always so, so far ahead, like in terms of the technology and community-based when it comes to social commerce. It's also important, I think, to say like, to the audience just to define what social commerce is, because I noticed that a lot of people still have some confusion about the term, and they sometimes they misunderstand that for social shopping. So social commerce as a concept, it is that user can buy and finalize the purchase inside the social media app. So one example, the easiest, I'd say Instagram shops. So I am just on a profile of someone on Instagram. I can click on the tagged product. I can put it in the cart. I can finalize the process of the purchase inside Instagram, adding my information, my billing address and the payment method that usually it's inside already, like could be PayPal that is associated with your account or you can add a credit card and you finalize everything there. This is like usually a bit smoother and frictionless mostly because you don't have to do extra steps to go to a third party website. So what I like personally of this concept, it is that it should help in terms of like increasing the CTR and also the abandon rate should decrease because you are just removing steps from the process of purchase. So again, I've been watching closely what is happening in Asia and what is happening also here in the States and also in Europe, especially in the UK. Instagram and Facebook are the ones that have been offering these from already a couple of years, I think now. TikTok is definitely integrating more options there. It's still a bit more e-commerce based. so. What I mean by that, it is that you can watch a video on TikTok, you can click it on a button, let's say, you know, buy now or learn more, see product, and uh, but you are still going to be redirected on the e-commerce in an embedded browser, similar to what happens usually on Instagram stories whenever you do a swipe up. So that said, I definitely can see there is a lot of interest. I'd say still at the beginning, a lot of clients are just now understanding the potential of influencers working with e-commerces that I'd say that the social commerce in terms of platforms in Integrations, uh, payment, uh, payment platforms, and so on. It's still a bit at the beginning, and clients uh, still need some education in, in terms of how to implement everything. But I'd say that in the in the next year, uh, we're gonna definitely see a lot of more options for social commerce or on many of these new many social media. So I'm talking about again Instagram. It's already there. TikTok is implementing more. We have been seeing Pinterest going in that direction as well. Maybe even like Twitter is going there, like everyone is going in the direction of social commerce to open up a new revenue stream for as a social media. But also what I'm really fascinated and interested in that, it is that, for example, Instagram now is giving option to some uh, selected influencers to get paid on affiliation fees inside the app. So one example, it is that I am on someone's profile, I'm buying maybe a makeup and the influencer is getting actually an affiliation uh, fee, a success fee on that purchase. And so it's it's a sort of win-win-win situation because the user can buy everything inside the app without leaving it. So it's smooth and, and frictionless. The influencer is getting more money because it can get like, you know, sort of no cap affiliation fee. Uh, so it's more dynamic also in terms of like a revenue stream. The brand is making more money, because there is like less abandonment of the cart. And lastly, the social media itself is also making money because they are getting a percentage of the sales. So again, I can definitely see that it's still at the beginning, but social commerce is going to be the next big thing together with influencer marketing. So the combination of together of having influencers talking to an audience, a big audience or a smaller audience, and drive them like to buy something inside the app, I think that can definitely bring a lot of benefits to everyone.
1: Yeah, those are some really great points. And I know it's still very much early stages and a lot of the conversations I've been having around social commerce, again, to your point, the transaction actually happening within the platform. I know there have been debates around changing the definition. It seems like we're making that shift to transaction focused in the platform, which is, you know, I'm sure going to be a change for a lot of folks. I know we're we're still seeing the capabilities being built out. We're still seeing these blips of opportunities. Is your firm starting to kind of piece together like what the requirements are for success, what are some of like the strategic considerations for an optimal social commerce strategy? Again, it seems like you guys are kind of working in tandem with these developments, but curious if, if you've kind of uncovered any preliminary best practices or, or considerations for the folks listening right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what we have done, actually, we also made a survey uh, to Gen Z and millennials, uh, especially in in the United States, and thanks to data that we gather, we actually created a report about social commerce uh, on our website. And in this report, you can uh, find so many new information about how also users, uh, their behavior and experience when it comes to social commerce, because uh, sometimes maybe the mistakes done by social media and some brands, it is that they think that people want certain things, right? But then actually they don't. Or maybe they have other priorities. What we saw, for example, it is that uh, even though social commerce it is interesting, something that we noticed is that some people said that um, they do uh, start the purchase. Uh, Process on mobile, but then especially maybe Gen Z that are more on a budget when it comes to B2C products, they prefer to go on desktop and look for promo codes using Honey or other similar Chrome extensions. So, for example, that is definitely a gap between the mobile experience and the desktop. So maybe the time that mobile social media will be also offer the opportunity to put promo codes in the cart that will also help people more on a budget to find discounts. So we saw that the idea of social commerce, uh, it is definitely liked by people, but then when we surveyed uh, the majority of the users, they were not happy with the user experience uh, as of now on the majority of social media that are offering social commerce slash e-commerce features. So again, even if the idea and the concept it is there, users are still, have uh, been not that satisfied what uh, social media are offering as of now in terms of features and options. So I think that is definitely important all the time to ask your audience what they would like to see because you might even in- integrate and implement a lot of different features. But if it is not what they are looking for, Uh, You might just like waste a lot of time and money uh, without actually any any effects. So yes, I mean like we noticed that definitely a lot of different data and insights interesting. But I'd say that. The one that I find more fascinating is, uh, as I've said before, the user experience going from mobile to desktop because mobile is still missing and has gaps when it comes to how to actually optimize your work in terms of discounts, promo codes, and so on. So, like, if users still, like, are looking for those, they might not finalize the purchase online, but I'm pretty sure that in one year, two years, a mobile Versions and apps and social media will have uh, like a so much I'd say complete uh, cycle of like purchase and tools and so on to offer to their to their users that uh, everyone in time is going to just finalize all the purchase in the inside you know like the social media. So again, a lot of lovely ideas, a lot of really nice concepts. Uh, what we saw it is that users are still not that satisfied, and so I can see that a lot of social media apps are working hard to get the best option possible for the users in order to win these uh, social commerce award that is definitely started a few months ago
1: yeah it's definitely interesting because i'm sure it's one thing to say like what would you like to do versus what are you currently doing right I feel like this is kind of the um, catch-22 about doing research sometimes because like you said the capabilities sometimes aren't fully there or maybe they're a bit clunky and they try it but it's not great but they still want to do it right but then it's also this notion of people say they want to do it they say they would do it but are they actually doing it. And I know that there's a fine line in the sand to determine what to invest in based on that insight. And I'm curious whether it's the social commerce research itself or any other data that you've gathered around consumer tangible behaviors. I mean, are there any gaps there? Like are there any things in particular that like consumers say they would do or have interest in doing? But like when you look at the bottom line figures, like it's not there. it's not making momentum.
0: Yeah, I'd say that one, another interesting aspect that I've been closely you know, following, it is uh, live streaming shopping. So combining together the social commerce aspect and the live streaming. In Asia, it is something common during single days. Uh, billions are sold in one day because, again, um, certain Asian countries are definitely used to, it's a different community, it's a different culture, it's, it's just different. So they are definitely used to buy online. Actually, they go on live streaming because of uh, FOMO, and they want to buy something, especially in drop collections. What we see, it is that, and we we saw this lesson also with a lot of new apps in the last year, just think about Clubhouse, after the big hype of live streaming and being the moment, uh, there has been a big decrease, you know, in users. I think that American people, also European people, where I'm from, they don't really want to invest their time in a live streaming that is just happening in that moment because we are so used to video on demand and content on demand that I definitely can see that a lot of uh, companies are investing in live streaming uh, even though the majority of users are not going to uh, watch live streaming. You can easily see that on social media. If you go to live streaming, the number of people like concur all together in watching live streaming, it's a fraction compared to, let's say, live streaming in China. So I'd say that again, the concept is there, the technology is there. There is not yet a shift in the culture, in the user experience, in the Willing to stay maybe one hour, two hours in watching live streaming, without knowing what is going to happen. So I think there is still missing some gamification slash some time sensitive, you know, urgency or scarcity about the live streaming that is missing. So maybe if uh, influencers are going to start offering more something that is like, "Hey, I have to be there," you know, on the live streaming. So I can do social commerce I can buy in that precise moment uh, so I can get any benefit then maybe'll we'll, more people will jump on that but as of now it's mostly tutorials uh, it's mostly I'm showing you how to use a product uh, and I don't think that that is uh, that needed for live streaming right I can easily watch that video later on so again to answer your question, I think that a lot of companies are going into the live streaming, but the majority of u s people and European people are not necessarily interested in that or are still, uh, you know, going from the normal e-commerce side to the social commerce slash live streaming. So again, a lot of time invested, a lot of money, a lot of investment, uh, but I'm personally, I think that the audience are still not there. Uh, There is not that much of interest. So I'm quite fascinated to see how it's going to evolve in the next years.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think there's a very interesting distinction between live streaming, like what capabilities go into an ideal experience like that. So kind of bringing the best of the QVC and HSN model to social, what that looks like, and also like how people are trying to apply it, how brands are trying to apply it. And most of the time, it's actually pre-recorded. And I think that's a pretty interesting distinction. I spoke with one expert about it and she was like, well, that's not live streaming. That's just very produced video strategy. And like that can be promoted as such. So very interesting discussions that are happening around that space in particular, I agree.
0: Yeah, definitely. And also like, let me uh, just add like something super quick on that the thing that you just said it's I think really interesting a lot of the times it's pre-recorded videos what is missing and again big difference let's say between the Asian markets and the US when it comes to live streaming and social commerce it is the bilateral communication between the buyer and the seller so what happened is that live streaming I think here is still not that used that much to create conversation but instead some other like especially Chinese apps that are using live streaming and social commerce to especially local businesses so imagine the typical scenario. Scenario is that uh, 2,000 people, 5,000 people, 10,000 people are all together watching this video and people can ask like, can I see that back again? Can I ask you a question about this uh, service? And there is this communication, this conversation that goes on and that makes everything more realistic and authentic. Eh? And so that is, I think, where the US and Europe are still missing. It's a lot of uh, pre-recorded uh, use that live streaming, but the communication is missing. So again, it's, uh, it's more promotional. It's more authentic, It's more like a promotional content, more than like real live streaming. So I guess that uh, once like real streaming also is going to get to the States, uh, that will give definitely more benefits and a sense of it. But as of now, I really don't see why people should, you know, jump on a live streaming and maybe invest one hour of their day, you know, just because. So definitely interested to see also how it's going to evolve also, like, you know, in, in going to pre-recorded to 100% actually live streaming.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's truly fascinating stuff. And it'll be interesting to see how the different platforms continue to build out these capabilities, make that integration smoother, develop compensation models. Like I know I'm going to be closely watching personally, like how they're going to be creating more opportunities for creators to monetize their personal brands, monetize the content that they're creating. So to be determined on that. But I feel like, again, over the past year, we've been seeing a bit of a um, game of tag, so to speak, between all of these players, especially Instagram and TikTok, because they have relatively similar audiences, possible use cases. And of course, there's always Snapchat, who I feel like is always kind of like lurking in the corner, but like doing some really cool things as well. But is there going to be a winner here, do you think, like in the social commerce race? Or is this just a case where, you know, healthy competition and mirroring and iterating upon capabilities is just going to be helpful? helpful for all the businesses that want to capitalize on this social commerce opportunity? Like, where do you think the competitive space is going?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we have seen in the last year, in my opinion, we saw a bit less of innovation and more like a copycat type of uh, mindset mentality. So a lot of social media are a bit like, you know, copying each other's features. Whenever something is working, they are going out with their own version. The problem of that in my opinion is that if you don't have any more, your own identity, you, and you lose your identity as a social media, you might also lose your audience, right? That came on your social media because they were looking for something different. So that said, I think that it definitely can help. I mean, competition, in my opinion, always helps uh, to integrate more things, to accelerate processes, to implement uh, different uh, aspects. So it's definitely going to help. I'd say that each social media is offering so, um, social commerce in a different way. Uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, definitely comes from, uh, Facebook uh, shops come from, uh, like, I'd say more local shops and uh, groups. Instagram, it's, just, it's still really, like, you know, image-oriented. So you can now implement with your own catalogs, and it's easier to buy. But it's mostly like you know, it's it's one to many, right? I create one content, I go to many people, and they can click on it and they can buy. Snapchat and now it's more, it's trying to build its own community, its own community. But uh, it's it's definitely at same. I mean, like this history of Snapchat, this was mostly like one to one, right? The chat and communication between between friends, and so also that experience of the social commerce. Uh, I see definitely different from Instagram. And Facebook, so more like I send you maybe send you a link inside, and you can click on it and buy it. More sort of like chat, even though they are now like you know working a lot on the spotlight and some originals, but still a bit different, I'd say, compared to to Instagram for sure. And the one that it's also doing a lot, it's it's uh, TikTok, as I was mentioning before uh, before at the beginning. Uh, we've been working on. Uh, Instagram, like, since almost the beginning, it was late 2018, early 2019, we've been one of the first agencies offering TikTok influencer marketing when a lot of other people were just calling it a kid's app. We actually believe in it since day one, and we saw it changing a lot. What I personally like of TikTok, it is what I call it, the one too many, too many approach. So you create one content, right? It goes to many people. These many people can recreate the content with a duet, a stitch, they can remix it, they can use uh, this song. Like, there are so infinite ways uh, to repurpose a content on TikTok and so to go back to the social commerce experience uh, what I like of TikTok it is that uh, you might have seen uh, a hashtag on TikTok call it TikTok made me buy it it is uh, an hashtag that shows you how people they didn't even know maybe about a product uh, but they bought it because they saw it on the For You page so many times that after a while they just bought and why is that because as I was mentioning now it's one too many too many you create one content maybe you as you can pay on influencers to create a content about your own product, about a service. And if other people jump on a hashtag challenge or they jump on a trend, they're going to create other content around your service or product. And so, you know, sky's the limit. You're going to have more sales. People can click on the link in bio. If this is organic content, if it is a paid promotion, they can click on the, on the button, go to the third party website, and later on, I'm most probably sure also clicking on the buy now to buy. Directly, you know, in the app, in TikTok, in that way again, you can maybe pay for one content and get 500 videos, 1,000 videos. You can sometimes find soundtrack that has been used by hundreds of thousands of videos. So imagine the potential of selling products thanks to social media. So again, I think that there is not just one solution for everyone. Depending on your audience, the type of content that you create, you should check all the time and use different social media. And my last advice on this is like. Each social media is different, different rules, different guidelines, different audiences. If you want to create content, you should create natively content all the time on different social media. So if you're creating something for Instagram, do not repurpose that on TikTok. If you're doing something for TikTok, yes, you might maybe repurpose that on Instagram reels, but all the time think that it's different demographics. So like you should create different content based on that.
1: Those are some very helpful tips, Alessandra. I know content has always been important to social media, but I think as it gets more rich, more multimedia, and as commerce gets more embedded into that experience, marketers are going to have to, if they're not already, pay really close attention to their content marketing strategy, making sure it's aligned, making sure it's engaging, and making sure it's capitalizing on all of those opportunities. So definitely some great food for thought there. We are, sadly at the top of our time together. I feel like time goes by so fast when we're talking about social media because it's so rich and there's just so much to uh, peel back. But um, to close out our conversation, I'm I'm curious because we're kind of at this juncture where we are seeing a lot of fantastic progress. A lot of the platforms are making moves in social commerce. I'm not going to ask you to share any predictions. I know we already talked about the competitive landscape where it's at now. But I do want to ask you to close out. As someone who is so involved This space lives and breathes it every day. Your role is to help companies understand the opportunities and seize them. I'm curious, I mean, what wish or hope do you have as someone who helps drive the space forward in a way? What hope do you have for social commerce or or even for all of the brands and retailers listening now that are trying to capitalize on these new opportunities? Like, where do you hope this space would? or will go over the next year or so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd say that I I really hope that uh, there is not just um, talk about implementation and integration, but actually a shift in mindset and approach, user experience, and so on. I think that sometimes brands still have to think about what their users want, right? The customer wants. So even though the technology can be there, you have to understand if actually users are going to use certain uh, features. So I'm really curious to see that. We've been seeing a big shift in the social commerce. Uh, We talk about the live streaming Uh, We also what I also closely following is that the creator economy itself is changing. I I really hope that everyone working in in these uh in this environment can finally understand that influencers are not just anymore mere promotional people that are just get paid to promote something, but they actually can give to your brand so much more. They can give you feedbacks about what users want to see or buy. They can help in co-branding things. We have been seeing, especially in the retail world, we have been seeing a lot of co-branding, you know, new products and product launches with influencers. We we work a lot with Dunkin' and Dunkin' in the last year, Have done a lot of new product launches in co creation with influencers, right? Because they are the ones that know what audiences want to see and buy. So, in a nutshell, let's say again, it's definitely important, the technology side, but uh, never forget what actually people, how they think, how they behave on social media. And I also say, and this is like a more on a general broad like you know, terms, uh, never try to underestimate new social media. A big issue, I'd say, of uh, certain brands, it is that they do not trust new social media. They think it's a waste of time. But what I recommend all the time is like spend actually time on, TikTok, on Instagram Reels, on, uh, on Snapchat, on new social media, on Pinterest. Like, do spend time. See how people communicate. See how people are creating content. Do not just say, oh, this is just a waste of time. I don't believe in this social media. Spend time there. You can get so many information uh, about what people are looking for. And uh, just also try the like, you know, trust the new generation, they, they are the ones that are going to be the new big spenders. So, again, my big advice is just do not read the news about like a new social media, actually, download them. Like, you know, go there, try social commerce yourself, test things. You want to be an active user and get your own feedbacks and your opinion on that. And that is the only way to be in the loop. And you don't want to be the next brand that maybe got bankrupt bankrupt because you didn't uh, adapt yourself in the new social media arena. You're not adapting yourself in the new business models. And one week in influencer marketing, it's like one year, you know, the rest of all the other industries. I can see that every single day it's happening so much. And if you are outdated by a few months, you can definitely lose a lot of customers because other competitors are going to get there and get your market share. So, be there, be consistent, uh, get uh, super updated on what is happening, trust the influencers and content creators, they know a lot about their audiences. Uh, And again, like, you know, just be in the loop. It's changing every single day and you should be in the trends and, and understanding what is happening in the next future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And don't be afraid to test things. I mean, to your point, you brought up Clubhouse earlier on. And and I know there are so many new, more niche platforms as well, where these communities are gathering and they're eager and willing to interact with each other. And that's where the hot pockets of innovation are, so to speak, for content creators and for influencers. So The market needs to uh, follow suit. Alessandro, thank you again so much for taking the time. So much great insight, so many great recommendations, and I think action items that everyone listening right now can apply and put into action. So thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And to all of you listening right now, if you have any follow-up questions for Alessandro, we would love to hear them. Drop us a line on Twitter at touchpoints or on LinkedIn via retail touchpoints. Especially in a space like social media, there are always new developments, new ideas, new opportunities. So let's keep the conversation going. And uh, if you like today's episode or have any feedback for us, we would also love to hear from you in that way too. So go to your preferred podcast player, leave a rating, leave a review. This helps us ensure that we're having the conversations, hosting the guests, and sharing the insights that are most relevant to you. And finally, a shameless plug here. If you haven't subscribed to the pod, please do. We do new episodes every week for the most part. So this will help ensure that you get those new conversations as soon as they're available. As a reminder, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, basically everywhere else. If you listen to podcasts, we are likely there. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.